Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Benvenuti, miei amici, all'episodio 15 del Fran Kirby Fight Club. Uh, oh, wow. You won't you won stop listening to all things Fran Kirby, or Francesca Kirby, with a little Italian hands, and all things Chelsea FCW. Hello, hi, yes, I did start the podcast in Italian because I have been learning, so what better space to put those skills to use than this particular podcast. As always, I'm joined by my amazing, amazing host, Andre. Andre, how's it going? Uh, I'm well. I don't know any other languages, so um, <laughs> you won't hear anything but English from me. If you do, it'll it, it'd be bad uh, and 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 terrible. So uh, yeah, thanks for surprising me, and uh, shout out to you for learning another language. Yeah, uh, so me and my boyfriend have been learning for over a year now. So we like to like we're getting like like we know a lot of the language as a concept, but applying that to phrases and and natural speaking that's that takes a long while so we're slowly getting there and maybe there'll be some more surprises along the way <laughs> no i absolutely appreciate it. i mean that's the only way to do it and also make sure you continue to say it because my mom used to know french fluently oh, no. but didn't have anyone to speak it with and and wouldn't speak it with anybody from france because she was scared and lost it so i'm all i'm deeply frustrated about that because she could have taught me uh, but uh, all I know are some random German phrases that I can't repeat on the podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you if you guys are familiar with using the Duolingo app, which is what I use, you will know that it like harasses you every day. Like, have you done your lesson today? When are you going to do your lesson? It's half an hour left. You better do your lesson. Like, it really pushes you to. And you know what? Right? If you don't do it, then you lose your streak and you go back to zero. And I'm on like Ooh, 300, so and I already lost it at one point, so it will be more than 300, but <laughs> mine is gone. So, yeah. shout out to Duolingo for for the ad read. If you want to sponsor the podcast, reach <laughs> out to us. <laughs> I, did, I didn't think the podcast was going to start like this. I mean, you know, I did plan to do an Italian, but didn't think we'd go off on on promoting Duolingo. But yes, back to back to the things that the people are here to listen of, and I say that, but the first thing we're going to talk about is Arsenal. <sighs> Andre, I'll, I'll let you take away on this one. <laughs> A few people wanted our reactions right away. Um, I tweeted from the account a few times, a couple times, uh, my reactions just kind of cheekily. Uh, same <laughs> on my personal account. Did not expect that. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Birmingham City, who was at the time uh, at the bottom of the table, beat Arsenal 2 0. Mm-hmm. And that is just an incredible, incredible result. I'm going to be honest, I could not bring myself to watch any part of the game because I've done it to myself before. In fact, when I saw um, Arsenal was struggling against Spurs in the North London Derby, I was like, I'm not going to watch this. I'm just going to hope to see the full-time update, and I'm going to be shocked. But I couldn't resist. I turned it on. It was like two minutes before stoppage time. Then Viv scores the equalizer, and I was like, damn it. I knew I shouldn't have watched this match, so I didn't watch any of this. Even if, when it went up, when it was 2-0, I was like, oh, I so want to watch this just in case. I want to be there for the final whistle. But I held out. I held out because I, I knew that Arsenal could score even at that time I, without watching any of the match. I know they're capable of two goals against Birmingham City in like five, ten minutes. I didn't do it. I waited until Birmingham City themselves tweeted the final score and then celebrated. 
That, that's the thing though like there's always it's always really nice afterwards to watch the highlights knowing you know exactly what's happened in the game knowing like you're free of the stress but when you're in there and you're watching it even if the team is like you say even if it's 2-0 up you never know what can happen you know Arsenal are a very good team uh, if not as a collective they are individually you know like we said Medima she can do anything doesn't matter what moment of the game it is you just you just don't know especially this season on the Jones side of all, they've been really, really amazing. So this was like a sh- complete shock. And you know what? We had to. We had to tweet about it because Arsenal had to go at us, you know, when we lost after the, uh, the FA Cup uh-huh. final and they were sure like, oh, you just lost. Blah, blah, blah. They didn't say that, <laughs> but they said something. Something of the likes was, was said. So we, we got to, you know, we're going to do the jo- job in return and, and, you know, blow some steam. Honestly, what I'm going to do is I'm going to rewatch. I'm going to watch the match because I heard a lot and I read a bunch about it. You know, from tweets to some some pieces that were released afterwards, and it sounds like Birmingham City just straight up beat them. And I want to see that because I'm very interested in that. I mean, you look at the stats and you say, yeah, Arsenal's going to have the bulk of possessions, but they only had two shots on target as well in the entire match. Uh, that's just wild to me. You kind of look at it. And you, I, I just wonder, like, I wonder how did this unfold? I mean, I, it's it's not like the the match that we lost against Reading, where basically they got one early goal on us and then just set up shop and would not let us through. We had a ton of shot attempts and and couldn't break through, couldn't get a goal. This was not that. This seems like they they Birmingham City scored early, scored in the third minute, got a second before halftime in the forty second minute, but it doesn't seem like. Arsenal were much of a threat at all and they can't really blame like having absences or anything because they still had a very strong lineup I mean Mana Iwabuchi was back Jordan Nobbs was back they had Beth Mead in there Viv Miedema Kim Little Katie McCabe I mean they had all their players and I just need to see that I need to watch this game with popcorn and a nice beverage (laughs) and 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 just enjoy it because it sounds like it was an incredible experience you know, you, you watch it and then you come back to us and let us know exactly how Birmingham City did that because, to be honest, it's really important information. Like, that's that's how to break a team down and you wouldn't think it'd come from Birmingham. Like you said, they're not in a great position in the league at the moment, but they did it. They did it somehow. They did it coming up against a really strong team and I don't know about anyone else listening, but I want to know how they did it. So I didn't watch the game either. I just I saw the result afterwards and I was just like, can it be? Did it actually <laughs> happen? So... You should go watch the full thing, and anyone who else has watched the full thing, let us know how it went. Um, so, so as we say, Arsenal lost, and we had the chance to go ahead and you know get the three points against Spurs. We did a podcast last week going through them and analysing everything, but that game, which was meant to happen on Friday, was postponed, and it was postponed because of an outbreak in the Chelsea camp, on top of the fact that we didn't have any reserve players to come in because of quite a few injuries, so... From what I read, Chelsea and Spurs, they you know the clubs came together. They had a chat about it. Decided it wasn't safe to play the game, and this was just very recently before um, the West Ham and United game was called off for similar reasons. So it's been quite um, a stressful week, really. Coming back from the Christmas period, we thought things would maybe be a bit easier, but they haven't really been. Um, we've got some stats from the FA. They did confirm that there's been 40 players and staff, you know, no individual names at the moment, that have come up positive so it's been quite a stressful week for 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 the WSL because it seems as if you know things are progressing on on the same line as they were before Christmas and we would have thought the break would have given us some some time to think of new measures and do you know on the men's side they're asking people attending at least um, let alone players to have 
negative COVID tests, otherwise they won't be um, allowed into the game. I think that was for the Chelsea and Spurs men's game, the Carabao Cup semi-final. So there is that, but um, you know, it does seem a bit strange that they're continuing to to play on, and the fact that that game was cancelled. Who knows? Who knows what it means? They did release a statement, Andre. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, let me find the statement. After the holiday break, you're really excited about the match and you're like, all right, now it's time to get back. I mean, we haven't seen this team on the pitch for it's going to be coming up on a month now and it's kind of going to be frustrating. So I was a little I was quite disappointed uh, that we weren't able to watch the team. Obviously, we hope that everybody who is uh, affected by this or, you know, came back with positive tests. We absolutely hope that they are asymptomatic and don't have any lingering issues and recover very quickly. Um, hoping that that's the case, but yeah, it was it was a bit frustrating. Um, so let me go and find the statement here. Got to scroll back because a few things have happened. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, there we go. It says, uh, I'll just read the whole thing because it's quite short. It says, the decision was agreed between both teams and the FA after a number of positive tests for COVID-19 were returned within the Chelsea FC women's team setup. After the last round of testing, combined with the number of players that are unavailable for selection due to injury, those who returned positive tests immediately began a period of self-isolation in accordance with Public Health England and government guidelines. The health and safety of our players, support staff, and fans remains paramount. A revised date for the match will be confirmed in due course, and then they have some ticket information or whatever. Um, and it says no further Chelsea FC teams have been affected, so they clearly mean the academy teams and, of course, the men's senior team as well. So, ah. Uh, Frustrating times, honestly. Um, you know, was hoping that the break would give us some, you know, let it settle down a bit. I know on the men's side, Thomas Tuchel was was over the break, was frustrated because he was like, how are we ever supposed to stop this spread of players testing positive if we don't have a break? Mm-hmm. And so on the on the women's side, I was hoping that having a break would have stopped everybody. Everybody would kind of stay, you know, whoever was was positive was able to recover and everybody else was able to keep themselves, you know, free from from COVID. But it doesn't seem like that was possible. And honestly, it is a little frustrating. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I think that that's the thing, though. Um, and, you know, I was actually saying to a lot of people, and I know that are men's football fans, I, I was saying, well, actually, in the women's side, we have a break going at the moment. Isn't that great and amazing? And yes, it is great and amazing. But the thing is, um, it you know, it's a temporary preventive measure but when you come back to the game the same issues are still here in the fact that um it's still not stringent enough we're still not aware of which players are infected uh, if they have recommenced their you know the thing that they used to do which was releasing every week how many positive cases there are so they recommence that for transparency reasons <clears throat> excuse me so there's that but at the same time like i said there needs to be more done for the players because so much of, of what is happening off the pitch affects them on the pitch affects whether or not they think they can be safe with their families and and things outside of football as as i said before the men's side they're they're getting fans to have negative tests or you know the your vaccination id to go into games but on the flip side what the government have been doing here is that they're really reducing the measures two big things have happened in the last few weeks one of them is the reduction of um quarantine days so it was initially two weeks went down to seven days and now it's going down to five days which isn't based on scientific data or, or what the SAGE scientists are saying. The other big thing is that the lateral test flows are no longer free. Now, you would have thought that for most football players, that's not really a, a problem because they earn a significant amount, although this isn't the case for all the players in the WSL. Some of them have double jobs. But 
there's this real emphasis on you have to learn to live with COVID and that's having a reflection on the world of football. You mentioned Thomas Tuchel said it, Jürgen Klopp's talked about it, Emma Hayes talked about it. It's just not sustainable. It's not sustainable. You're going to need a break at some point and you're going to need to allow players to get away from sport for there to be any drop in infection rates and, and death rates. I'm just not seeing that. Um, you know, Chelsea have done the right thing here, yeah, absolutely. Like, we obviously want to watch them play football. We want to analyse things. But on the days we have nothing to say, we're not complaining at all. You know, it's they've done a good thing here to, to not put that game forward. We don't know who's been affected, though. They were pretty, light, like, sort of lip-tight about that. I didn't see anything on Twitter. I didn't see anything on specific social medias. So, obviously, it's not something they want to put out at the moment. But as I say, 40 people across WSL, um, whether player or staff have been infected this week. So I really, I, I do think that what's going on outside of sport is really affecting us here. And that's kind of the thing with this is it's been kind of, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not be so dogmatic about this thing because I realize I, it's, it, it's a lot easier for me as a person. I I have social anxiety. I have a lot of issues, you know, being in big crowds, you know, going out and doing things requires a lot of energy because my mind is just always moving and, and at a ridiculous mm-hmm. pace and asking myself stupid questions when I'm in public. So I have a, I'm, I'm more comfortable at home. So I don't feel like I'm missing a whole lot. You know, I've, I've built kind of a, a life and career and things to do you know, online um, as well, you know, social media, but also for my my own job, I do, you know, communications and all of that now is is virtual and has been for a very long time. So I've never been in the context of need, my job doesn't rely on me to do anything or be anywhere except in front of a computer. So I'm very fortunate in this, in that way. And I try to give a lot of kind of grace to other people because I understand that one, they, they may not be privileged enough to have that capability. Um, in terms of their job, but also they may not have my um, desire to just be home. Um, that's where I'm most comfortable. And I understand that a lot of people aren't like that and that this has been going on for a long time. Honestly, so much longer than even I thought it would be. I, I thought by this time, you know, I, I knew it would take a while. thought it was going to take a year and a half or so. But the fact that we're about to enter, what, year three of this um, is just absolutely wild to me. And I understand that people are very frustrated. Um, so having said that, though, I, I still wish that that people understood and particularly you, you hope that professional athletes. And again, I have no I have no inside information on how or who ended up testing positive. But I know that, you know, London seems to be a hot spot. I know that I've, you know, from I'm not going to be a snitch, but I know from Instagram and everything else, yeah. I've seen players out. I've seen players without masks on. Maybe they took them off just to take a picture. I don't know. And obviously don't even know if those are players who tested positive. So I'm trying to do a lot to kind of remain, you know, understanding of all of this. But I'll be honest, it is kind of frustrating. I'm like, we we all, I get being frustrated about this whole thing and that it's still here, but it's going to still be here unless we all kind of agree to take all the necessary precautions, particularly with Mm -hmm. the variant around now that is so contagious. So I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm bummed out because I wanna I, I wanna watch the team. I want the team to be safe. Um, I, I know Fran had you know pericarditis, which is a heart issue. I know that some of the you know long COVID issues, if the people who are unfortunate enough to have to struggle with that, um, can infect the heart. So I have no idea, but I'm always worried about her and hoping that she's all right through this. Um, 
I have no idea if pericarditis is something that is a, you know, is a condition that would, that could worsen. Not sure if it's one of those things because once you're over it, it's out of your system. You have to worry about it anymore. So I, I really don't know, but this is just where my mind goes. And I just want everyone to be as safe as possible. Yeah. You made a really good point there about the frustration the players must be feeling as, as you know, as in any job, in any industry, that this situation is ongoing. You know, you can you can only think of what people working in the NHS must think. You know, you go through a really good wave, things are coming down, people are taking their vaccinations, and then once again you're hit by this surge. And here in the UK, you mentioned London is a hotspot. There's this real feel from the government that, and this is a phrase they've used a lot, is learn to live with COVID. So like I said, they reduced quarantine days. They've, um, they've, They've sort of started, you know, no more free lateral protests. They've kept using that phrase and it's really encouraging people to go back to normal when actually there is there isn't a normal to go back to. This is our new normal and we have to adapt to it. And the players have to adapt to that as well. Because as you say for us and, and me as well, I can sit at home and do my job. A lot of jobs that involve writing or, you know, data or administration, they can be done from home, but they don't have that option. They they risk their own safety, as you said. We don't know. We're just speculating here. They risk their own safety, um, and then they have to go to work, which for them is around other people. They're putting others at risk. Um, but as I say that, like I said, it's not their fault because our government here in the UK, here in London, is really pushing for people to go out and do things. And like you know, me and my family and people I know have have been overly cautious. Like we don't, we really don't care what the government say. We're not going to go out and do these things because it's not safe yet you know but everyone else is because that's what they're being told and you you get the feeling that that frustration and and that confusion is oft, often affecting people like these footballers we can only guess we can keep guessing but as long as uh, you know as we're getting encouragement or people are getting encouragement from the government you know from Boris Johnson for from various health secretaries that it is okay to go about and do your thing the longer this will continue to affect us and football needs to keep up we need more stringent laws we're seeing some of that coming back into action on the men's side, but we need to see it in women's football as well. Um, otherwise, they're gonna, there's going to be more postponements. You know, there was already two games this week that were postponed. And how that works in terms of rescheduling becomes difficult because it's not like, you know, like normally if a game, there's a clash or something, that can be rescheduled. If there wasn't a pandemic, totally fine. I'll play, the, I'll play it whenever, I'll play it on a weekday. Or, But in the middle of a pandemic, you can't so easily reschedule things. So now it's about where that game will fit in and how Chelsea will be able to manage it because there are also injuries in this team. Um, and as you say, because Arsenal lost this weekend, there's this real opportunity to to push up the league, but we can't do that if we put our own players at risk. Yeah, and actually, I'm glad you you mentioned that. I was I was I was kind of happy that the that the return to play, you know, in 2022 was happening as it was. You know, you have Spurs, which is you know, a derby, a big match was going to be very interesting. We previewed it, and I think you should go listen to the preview. Uh, it is it is quite good, and we'll probably promote it whenever that game is um, rescheduled. But then they were going to have another week before Everton um, so they could, you know, get themselves slowly back into the groove of having many, many matches and, and getting back into the flow of a season. But now, assuming this Everton match goes ahead, they've got an FA Cup quarterfinal on Wednesday the 19th four days later they're playing Brighton so like you have now if these matches can go you're playing seven in three days again so you're going back to that and honestly if if Chelsea were still in the Champions League which you know we are heard about 
it would be another like you wouldn't have any break. You know, they do have a tiny bit of a break now after after playing Brighton um, because they have Manchester City on February 6th. But it's just like you you know that the schedule is going to get packed quite a bit, uh, especially the more postponements you have. And obviously, that's not the biggest issue. Health and safety is for the players. But it's kind of a combined thing. Like everybody kind of has to do their part. And that's to me, that's been the most frustrating thing about all of this is, you know, you mentioned governments, you know, Boris Johnson over there and and here even, you know, between two very different administrations, we've had very interesting approaches to this. And most of it has been like, eh, we're going to keep doing what we're going to do. And we're going to try and not do anything egregious, you know, but, you know, it, it. there's still a lot of things that are happening that are egregious when you look at the decisions being made. You know, right now here, the decision to force kids to go to school, even though a lot of kids still aren't vaccinated. And even though, you know, you have a lot of educators who are saying this isn't a great idea um, and they're catching COVID and they're, you know, the numbers are gross in terms of educators who are hospitalized and have passed away. So it's just like, I understand people being like, we do have to learn to live with this. But for me, the question is at what cost? And I think we can still be smarter than what we've been. But that question itself, at what cost? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in charge who don't care about that. That's why these games are going ahead. That's why the Premier yeah, League. Had, sad. It's why the Premier League really had to be like pushed and like persuaded and talked into like, um, you know, for example, the Liverpool Arsenal game in the in the League Cup. That literally, that there was so much drama around that because Liverpool had asked for the game to be off, and there was a pushback on that. So. Even like even there's an example within the world of, of of sport before we even talk about outside of that where corporations and companies really want things to keep going. They want production. They want uh, an end product. They want um, the economy to keep going. We're talking about people in charge, but again, that's at the cost, at the sacrifice of the workers involved, the people who are having to to produce and carry on going, um, and that that in itself is just quite difficult to to take in, at least for me. Kind of makes you think, though, as I said, like how many players are we going to have going forward? You talked about the schedule there, of how many games we've got coming up in a short period of time. But think of what the roster will look like. We don't know. Well, we, well, we do know that five days is meant to be the amount of time off for quarantine. Um, but will players even after that physically be able to cope with the, the sort of the intensity of a real game coming back from COVID, depending on their symptoms, whether they're like fatigued or not, like how will that affect? And as you, as Emma has said, we have injuries too. So you have to really think about who you're going to play in a certain game and whether you can play them because what's going on outside isn't really at all considering people in football, the players, the coaches. Um, again, the Liverpool game, it was Jurgen Klopp and his assistant Pep Linders. Both of them were going to be out the game. But even then, the Premier League were like, hmm, could the game still go ahead? And it's like, oh, you know, it's the frustration. The world, you know, just carries on. That's what the people in charge want. But we have to think about our own players and our own teams. Um, and it's unfortunate that that worry and that stress and anxiety is often, you know, looked over. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is weird. I mean, a lot of weird decisions are being made. And, you know, the Premier League, it doesn't really seem to have a set um, rule, right? It almost seems like sometimes they're going to postpone a game and you're like, good. And then another team says, hey, we have almost an identical problem or worse, (laughs) let's postpone the game. And they're like, nah, nah, we don't want to do that. So it's just, I don't know, it's 
it is frustrating to be where we're at, but to take it back to the Chelsea women and trying trying to look ahead, mm-hmm. we're going to hope that the match against Everton happens. We're going to hope that we get to see the team back on the pitch, and we're going to hope that they are able, were able, they clearly couldn't do it over the break because they had a postponement for COVID, but we're going to hope that between the postponement of the Spurs game and kickoff of the Everton game, that everything has been kind of resolved and that players are able to focus purely on football because, with especially as we mentioned up top, with Arsenal dropping points, it's really, really important for us to pick up three points every single time, every single time out because we have to chase them down. If we're not going to have the Champions League, we need to put them under immense pressure and, and leapfrog them in order to be able to get to the top of the table hold on so we can lift that trophy again and be what that would be our fourth consecutive league mm-hmm. title. So yeah, um, that to me is where I'm hoping the focus can return to. Yeah. And you mentioned Everton there. It's actually a pretty decent game to come back to. Um, and we're allowed to say that because as Andrew was telling me off camera earlier, off audio, Everton have been make, making quite a lot of noise over the summer for a team that um, did really well last season and actually have dropped off quite a lot and maybe that's the perfect game to return to because a lot of the strengths Everton had last season they don't have that anymore they've had a lot of injuries um, like us but still haven't been able to produce the results so do you agree do you think that would be the perfect game to come back to you know in terms of getting yourself back into the flow of WSL and playing frequently yeah I think so I actually was a little concerned about the Spurs match I know we talked about it and my prediction maybe didn't didn't let that let that through, but I was a little concerned because of the success they had against Arsenal, and you know that they would have really been looking forward to kind of kickstarting the second half of their season by you know really challenging Chelsea, and Chelsea was going to have so much energy and so much you know from the end of 2021 to try to like prove, but you can't do that over the course of just one you know 90 minute period, so. I was a little concerned. This is a little bit better. We have seen it is opposition that we have faced before. We did beat them earlier in the season, 4-0. Manchester City also beat them 4-0. Arsenal beat them 3-0. Brighton beat them 1-0. And Tottenham recently, uh, I believe they're in their match before their last match uh, before the winter break, beat them 1-0 as well. They've had only three wins on the season. Birmingham City, Leicester, and Reading. Drew with Manchester United, however, and West Ham. So so they do have the ability to kind of be um, stubborn, if you will, for to certain opposition. But I was looking forward to this match for the reasons you mentioned, because Everton have poured a lot, invested a lot into their into their squad and also, you know, got a new manager, but things aren't clicking. And I think that this would have been much better competition to return to the pitch to to face. And I think one big sort of glaring standout for me for Everton is the goal scoring. Last season, they had different dimensions to their attack. They used the flanks a lot, and that was something that troubled us a lot when we played with them and we lost to them. Um, At the moment, they've only scored nine goals in the entire season. And last season, in the entire season, they scored almost 40. There's been a really big drop-off, yes, in performances, but also the attacking intent has really been dried out. The formation that they were using, you know, implementing the wings, opening up central possession, um, hitting teams on the counter quite effectively. You haven't seen a lot of that. As you mentioned, they recently lost to Tottenham. They lost to United 2-0 before that. So that's one area where, you know, you might face a team in this stage of the season at, at, at this sort of position. And 
they might still be difficult to play against because although they are at where they are, they're able to have a certain game plan in mind. But if I was an Everton fan, I'd be worried because they've only scored nine goals this season. They've conceded quite a few. Um, and they're coming up against a Chelsea side to have quite a few players that they can rely on to score a lot of goals. We're a counter-attacking team. Any defensive mishaps, whether that's defensive midfield or the deepest lying aggressor, whether that's uh, charging at a back three, you can expect there to be goals, especially if we've got Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr and Pinella Harder all on the pitch at the same time. And I know Harder's been a bit questionable. I think she's been injured. Um, not really sure about her timeline and recovery. But as I say, if you have those three and you have a team that's struggling to score goals and conceding quite a few, there's only one way it's going to end, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, we you think back to maybe it was the early uh, portion of last season when Everton was kind of, they they were almost shaping up to be our, our kind of nemesis a little bit uh, because we played them a couple of times and it was, the games were really, really difficult. I remember Val- Valerie Govan uh, in particular, the French mm-hmm. striker, just absolutely getting like bothering, being able to get in between the bet, you know, those pockets in the back line, being able to get headers on frame and scoring. So like she was really a concern, but she picked up an injury and they never really, and still haven't filtered her back into the starting lineup. They seem to be making different choices and I don't really understand that too much. Um, I don't follow Everton as closely as I follow Chelsea, uh, but I, I just, you, you kind of look at what they do and how they've been playing and you can absolutely see that they are not quite a team yet. They may be in the process of some sort of project, um, but they have missing pieces and they also have missing, um, they, they don't seem to have a game, a, an actual kind of like plan structurally where you know what they want to do and they're going to be able to impose that. And, and even... They don't have that. And I also think it's because they they invested so much money that they are also hesitant to say, okay, since we don't have that, what we're going to do is kind of sit back and counterattack. You know, we're going to let the other teams do what they do. And because we're in this weird phase, we're going to be really, really structured and solid defensively. And then we're going to use some of the talent that we brought into the team, like Tony Duggan and a couple other players, to to really push out and really hit teams on the counter because that's where we know we can be dangerous doesn't seem like they're doing there and it's kind of weird limbo you know area where they're not doing either and that means they have been quite soft opposition for a lot of the more talented teams to play yeah and and as you say like just as a team looking really unsure although they brought in quite a few players you mentioned Tony Duggan there as being one they've also reshuffled their squad and their formation um I was watching them or I was watching the highlights of their game against Spurs earlier I noticed that Christensen was playing up um, up in the front three and playing on the right. And we saw her quite often last season in a completely different role in midfield where she was the number eight and, and sometimes the number 10. Like those were her, that was like her area of comfort. You know, she was versatile enough to play across the middle line, so six, eight and 10. But this season she's been pushed up a little bit up front, obviously because they're lacking what they had with Govan and they're trying to mix things up. You know, they brought Tony Duggan in, they pushed Izzy over to to the left, sorry, the right. And it just seems like, you know, there's not a real clarity on what a what their desired formation is, what their desired positions are as players. Of course, in a certain sense, if you're looking to attack and counterattack, your attack has to be interchangeable. But it's not so much as their attack being interchangeable, it's just a certain sense of discomfort for some of the players. And maybe, as you say, maybe it's because they're in this sort of transformative phase. And, you know, we know very well as Chelsea fans and, and listeners that Chelsea have looked com- uncomfortable at times, especially in the, the, the step up phase, you know, the 
the phase where we haven't really been sure of our own team. But this seems as if not only are they unsure what they're doing, but there's no clear plan to follow. Even if that plan is failing, at least you know there's something to go by. That's not really what I'm getting from Everton. Not against Spurs, not against United. And um, they've got a, a very difficult run of games coming up. I think they're probably not going to like playing us, knowing that we've had a, a very sort of extended break. You know, there was a, there was the game against West Ham that was postponed, and now this game. So as you say, round about a month. Uh, so they're probably not going to be very happy to play us. But I said before, and I'll say it again, I think this could be a good game for us. I'm, I'm trying to speak it into into fruition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think so. I think it is much better opposition, you know, than than Spurs, especially starting off. I think you want to get you know at least one you know 90 minutes and and we're probably gonna have quite a few before we get to that Spurs match again because I'm not sure when that might be rescheduled but I think you want to you want to get into some sort of groove and you want everybody to be fully match fit by the time you you have a, a battle like that against against competition that can trouble top teams they know they faced you know Arsenal as we mentioned they nearly beat them but ended up taking points off of them via draw so you do have opposition that knows how to be annoying. And in our preview pod, you know, you mentioned picked out a few players that could have really been, you know, if they're if they're geared up, you know, and Chelsea's taking a while after a break to get going, then you you can kind of you you can in your mind you can envision that that um that combination being a little concerning and uh and and nerve wracking during a match. But I feel pretty calm. I mean, Everton are ninth in the table. They're looking pretty awful, as you mentioned. They only scored nine goals. They've also given up 16 so they have a negative seven mm-hmm. goal differential which is just absolutely bonkers for especially for as active as they were in the in the transfer market over the summer uh bringing in a lot of players so i don't i again i, I don't really know what's going on there they have a lot of work but i am looking forward to this match and really hope it happens because you know as, as we mentioned i think you know arsenal on 10 matches played they have 25 points we're on nine matches played and we have 21 we are now, thanks to Birmingham City, thanks y'all. <laughs> uh, we are uh, if we if we win that match and pick up all three points against Everton, we're only one point behind them, and that really sets it up for that February match. As long as we can keep picking up three points, or if Arsenal stumbles again, because they've got a they've got to have a lot of doubt creep in now. I mean, the end of their 2021 was not great either. They got destroyed by us, and they got beaten pretty handily by Hoffenheim. They actually got quite lucky that they're still in the Champions League, to be honest. Um, but you know that they've had a they had a pretty bad run to the end of their season to end of their year as well in 2021, and they start out 2022 losing to Birmingham City. So there's got to be a lot of doubt and questions going on there. And the more doubt and questions they have, the better for us because I'm really excited about this opportunity now. I'm like this is why again why I want the team to be back. You know, ever did, like Arsenal played that way. And again, I'm gonna rewatch. I'm gonna watch the match. Not rewatch, I'm gonna watch the match, <laughs> but. They played that without even the threat of us behind them. Like we didn't even have a match and they still stumbled. So if we keep picking up three points and we refuse to go away and kind of walk them down until we face them, you know, 1v1, I'm I'm really excited about this title race and I'm looking forward to Chelsea getting finding another gear. And I don't know what that's gonna look like. 343, 433, 4231, who knows? But I think that uh I think that Emma Hayes is gonna have something up her sleeve because Getting out of the Champions League means that ev- all focus goes to everything we can win domestically, and we're still, we're absolutely still in the running for all of that. All right. So let me ask you a question now. I know it's not it's not the dreaded P question, at least not yet. There's still a segment. There's still a segment. <laughs> I know it's but, coming. 
there's a segment to go. You know, you just talked a lot about this sort of the excitement and the thrill of coming up against this um, this Arsenal side who stumbled, and you've got Everton coming up. How do you expect Chelsea to look? We've spoken a lot about Everton. We've spoken a lot about Arsenal. How will this team look um, tactically as a team? However, you interpret the question coming up against Everton, and also just just going forward. Oh, it's a great question. That's part of the reason why I'm so, you know. F- frustrated but also very eager for them to come back i really want to know what emma hayes thought what she came up with over the holiday break um i know she always has something up her sleeve and changes things is not afraid to make changes um to the team formation or anything else so this will be very very interesting i don't you know covid probably threw a bit of that into into some disarray because i i again i have no idea who tested positive but if they happen to be players she was relying on or wanted to you know see more in training or see if they could do a particular job in training not sure hope not but we don't know so I'm really interested to see how the team plays and I really want to see their mentality again on the pitch when they get there because you know we talked about it you know against Wolfsburg and even after the match against Juventus and of course Reading uh, to end the season that the team just looked tired and distracted I mean they they went and created a lot of chances against Juventus and and Reading weren't able to get a goal and then that Wolfsburg match was just exhausting and the team looked lost and confused and very much distracted so I was looking forward to see okay how does the team look now you know they had a bit of a break they were able to press the reset and let's see what they look like so I'm interested in them tactically but also I want I'm hoping that the team is back to looking like the Chelsea they remember and a lot of those distractions um, and a lot of those concerns that they were having, I'm hoping they can be eased because if that's the case, we're going to have a very fun second half of the season. That's all we can hope for, I think. I think as long as we're having fun, as long as the football is is entertaining and it's really focusing on that three four three that we've been working on all season, I think at least we know there's a step up and we're reaching that step up. And uh, I think that closes this segment. It was a very short one, but only because I wanted to kickstart the next segment a little bit early which was Andre's least favorite segment, the the segment where I ask him oh, for his predictions. Do you want to go first? <laughs> no, I don't, actually. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, I'll be I, I will if you want me to. I will give you some time. Okay, uh, I, like I've said this entire podcast, and Andre's reiterated it, I think this is going to be a really good game to come back to. I think Everton, um, as you say, conceded 16 goals this season. They're really going to struggle against a team who's scored um, 27 goals this season, so three times what they've scored. Uh, if we have a, you know, a fully sort of bolstered attack from this rest that we've had, I hope to see Penilla Harder back in action with Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr. There's absolutely no way that you could stop the three of them when they're in their prime from scoring, and I think that Everton are going to have a really hard time, especially if they're going to follow a similar formation with Christensen playing up um, in the attack, because I think that she did a lot for their mid midfield defense and I think maybe that's why they're conceding so many goals so yeah I've said a lot of stuff but without having said the actual numbers I think we are going to win 3-0 uh I think we're gonna have a really strong defensive performance and fingers crossed we can see Anik now back in defense because I miss her and she's really really like gelled very quickly and very well in the team so we have that team, then I'm going for 3-0. I think that's a that's a good prediction to go with. I've I've spoken for a lot on purpose. You better have something for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like that you brought up now, and I think that was a player we were really interested in uh, becoming part of that, uh, a stable of that back three until she picked up a little injury. Uh, and then Chelsea wanted to make sure she was fully fit 
um, and that it wouldn't linger. So we're very cautious with her. Um, but yeah, hopefully the break has been good for all of all of those little injuries. You know, Pernilla Harder had one as well. All those little injuries, it seemed like, you know, if you keep putting the player out there to play a, a bunch of minutes, they can it can just worsen and worsen or the one thing happens that turns it into a long-term injury. So I'm hoping that with this break, players got a chance to fully recover. It's going to be needed. Um, I'm very interested in, in now and as well coming back. I'm I don't again. We talked about our last episode, uh, the the new our new signing, the Russian left back uh, Alsu Abdelina. We we talked about her a lot, and and also we're very cautious about. We know we've been waiting for a fullback signing, but <laughs> let's not put too much pressure on her. But Chelsea has not really been following that. You know, they put out a couple of social media videos of her in training and everything, and I'm just like, ooh, okay. Um, we also sent uh, Georgia Fox on loan to Charlton Athletic uh, for the rest of the season as well. She had been one of those that had been playing as a wide defender. Um, very young player, interesting player, but it needed to get minutes and weren't going to get them. Uh, and it seems like that was kind of a domino effect from the Abdelina signing. So who knows what Emma Hayes has planned. If you end up getting a, a very capable left back, you're good. I, I would still like to see more signings. You know, the window is still open. We're still hoping to see more. Um, but yeah, if we end up showing up in any way at left back or wing back, I think the team, the proposition for the team goes up dramatically uh, and we become much more difficult to play. So this is why I'm so excited. I want to see the team on the pitch. I'm frustrated. <laughs> but uh, against Everton, I think this is, as you mentioned, this is a much, much easier competition to come back to. So I'm going to say... You said 3-0. I do think we're going to keep a clean sheet because Everton are kind of in disarray. And as long as nobody makes like a really ridiculous defensive error, uh, I think we're going to be good and we're going to be able to keep them um, out of our net. You know what? Let's 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 see ruthless Chelsea come back. I'm going 4-0. Ooh, I want to see some ruthlessness. Like it. You're calling them out. You're putting it out there. You want to see it. Uh, yes. Yeah. You want to see them demolish everything. I need it because I miss them. I miss them so much. I want it. I think we all need it. Our, our souls need it. So we need some <laughs> some happy, you know, happy smiles, happy hugs. We need to see a backflip. I know it's very early in the new year, but but I wouldn't mind a backflip from Sam Kerr. You know, get those goals in. Yeah, so, kick, kick things off right. That's what we need. We need we need you know whatever celebrations there are, backflips, all of it. I want to see it all because I miss them. Yeah, and and as you say, this could be the game to do that. So. With that, I think we are all done for day for today, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. No, I, I think that's it. I just am, am really, really, and I hope that this is not does not turn out to be a jinx, but I really, oh. really, 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 really hope that this match happens and we're able to have a full squad. That's that's what I'm hoping for. And we're, we're just all trying to be happy. You know, we've had a few sad podcasts in the last month or so. So we're really hoping that we're hoping that we can manifest this energy that we're, we're sending out and that it goes all the way to the Chelsea players and that they they then score. And, you know, maybe we can take like 10% of, of the, the credit if they end up winning that game because <laughs> we like, we're, we're talking it into action. We're not just analysing here. We're doing much more. We've We've gone to a higher level here. So... Fingers crossed that game turns out well. So that is next Sunday. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, the, well, this upcoming Sunday, yeah. Um, I believe it's 1 p.m. UK time, 8 a.m. Uh, in the Eastern time in the U.S. And uh, where can we uh, where can we watch this game, Andre? 
Oh, I have no idea. In the UK, it's probably on Sky Sports. <laughs> uh, here, it's either going to be uh, we're either going to be resigned to the FA player, or there's a chance that uh, NBCSports.com uh, online will have it. But uh, yeah, I haven't. I haven't. And you know what? Since you brought it up, I'm going to help you folks out because I'm going to look it up and I'm going to let you know exactly where you can find this match. Well, normally, that? normally, BT Sport do show a lot of women's football, and Sky Sports have because. I have started to do that this season because they gained the like a, a new women's football package. Um, but you never know because sometimes they do show it on, on BBC and sometimes they don't. So it's all about what games they've quote unquote picked to be watched that week. So Yeah, and it looks like a FA player certainly oh, here and maybe yeah. even uh domestically, because I think they they may have picked other matches to 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 air at the moment. So yeah interesting anyway well, back yeah. to the fa player like it's 2020 well you know what we really all live in our best lives here if we end up having to watch uh everton lose and chelsea win and gain an extra three points on on a computer on a weird stream then then so be it <laughs> we're all for watching the team win however that happens. i just want them back i don't care i'll watch them on i i don't care give me give me a I, i'm trying to think of some old technology give me like give me an old school like calculator. i don't care what the screen looks like i will watch i want them back so whatever I got to watch them on, I'll watch them on it. I don't care. Oh, gosh. Right. So I think I think we'll have to finish up here. Uh, we've, we've done a very good job of talking about Chelsea this week, although we haven't had a game. We hope we've kind of hit the nail on what you guys are wanting to hear from us. Uh, you know, if you can, it'd be really great to promote this and, and where we post, well, where we post to retweet and like and share and and comment and give us five stars because those are the things that really help put us out. We are in a second season and um, we're really hoping to push things along. So, if anyone could give us any shares or likes, we really appreciate that. And as as we say, Chelsea might appreciate that. And if they win this this weekend, then even you can feel like you did your little part in in helping that happen. And <laughs> and that that's all we can ask for, really. So. Thank you once again for listening. Uh, we hope we shared some insightful stuff this podcast. And we hope to be back next week talking about an actual game, talking about three points, talking about Chelsea back again, just as they were last season. Well, maybe not the last bit of last season. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please come back to me. <laughs> please come back to me.